No, as Pastor Yiming has said, today is Father's Day. So here's a shout out to all of you who are fathers. A very blessed Father's Day. And today is a doubly special day for my family because it is also my father's birthday today. So it's a double celebration and a shout out to you, Pa. Happy birthday to you as well. I hope you have a great and amazing day. Now, tying in with the fact that today is Father's Day and also the theme for our church this year, I hope you still remember what our theme is and that we are still on the topic of building legacy. So remembering that it is Father's Day and also remembering that our church theme is building legacy, I've entitled my message this morning as A Father's Legacy. A Father's Legacy. Now hang on, for those of you who think you're not fathers and you decided to, to change the channel, okay, don't switch off just yet. You see, the message today is not just for biological fathers, but it's also for spiritual fathers as well. Let me tell you why. Now, it is often uh, an accepted uh, thought that Barnabas was a father to Paul. So although they may have been around the same age, Barnabas was considered a father who encouraged and built Paul up. And then Paul himself became a father to Timothy, to Titus, and to the many other churches that he began. So the Thessalonians, the Corinthians, all call him um, their spiritual father as well. So today's message is not just for those of you who are biological fathers, but for spiritual fathers, and that, cons- that uh, uh, means many of you who are out there as well. I'm just going to read from you from the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 11 to 12. And it says here, this is Paul saying to the Thessalonians, For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into His kingdom and glory. And so this message really this morning is to really encourage us as fathers that we have a responsibility to raise up our children in the ways of the Lord. Okay? But hang on there, I know many of you are mothers and you think that, hey, this message may not apply to you as well. But I'll say, hang on there, hang on there. This is a very important truth and I hope you will be able to catch this, alright? Are you ready for this important fact? This is going to be mind-blowing. Here it is. Do you know that fathers parent differently from mothers? Wow, mind-blowing, right? Fathers parent differently from mothers. And I'm sure many of you already know that this is true. Now, let me just be very clear, okay? Please hear me carefully. I'm saying that both are important, okay? I'm not saying that, the, that mother's styles are wrong or father's styles are wrong. I really am saying that both are important. And so the point of my message this morning is not to condemn either way, either style of parenting, but rather I am highlighting the importance of a role of a father in raising their children, okay? So mothers, I hope that you can listen along together, that we will be able to be uh, blessed along together and hopefully get a better understanding that there are different ways of parenting and that we, uh, as fathers and mothers, that we can partner with one another in raising godly children. Can we do that? Yes. Come, let's begin with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father God, speak to us this morning. We thank you, God, that we can be in your presence and in your midst. And I pray, Lord, that even as I speak forth from your word, that you will use me as your instrument. Oh God, prepare our hearts, open our ears, so that we may receive from you, so that we may learn from you, and so that we can grow in you as well. Be with us and bless us as we commit this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, I'd like to start this morning's message with reading from another verse. And this is really a command and a teaching from uh, the Bible towards two fathers as well. I'm reading from the book of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. And this is the reading from the NIV version. It says this, 
Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Okay, and I like another version that's found in the NLT that says this, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way that you treat them. Instead, rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. So here is an instruction from Paul to the Ephesian churches to say that, you know, if, as fathers, don't exasperate your children. No, don't, don't provoke them into anger, but rather bring them up in the instruction that comes from the Lord. Now, let me just tell you that this is a challenging experience for me, myself as well, as uh, I also have a, a young daughter. I have two young daughters, but one is a newborn, and that hasn't really, you know, uh, created that much of a challenge experience. But it's the older one who is going through her uh, two-year-olds, and in this current stage, everything that I do seems to trigger her to big emotions, as my wife would call it. So big emotions, and sometimes I'm just so tempted to be hands-off. You know what? I don't want to deal with the drama. Okay, mama, you deal with her. And I, I guess for many of us fathers, sometimes we want to have a hands-off approach. You, say, you know what? Mommy does a better job. Mommy de deals better with the kids' emotions. Let money, mommy handles this. But this morning, I, I want to highlight to you the importance of the role of an involved father. And I hope that each and every one of us will not give up uh, raising our children and will not be hands-off in the involvement of our children. This morning, I'm going to focus a lot more on the book of 1 Samuel chapter 2. And uh, it is going to be on uh, the high priest Eli. And it's not so much about what Eli did right, but actually it's going to be, a, I'm going to highlight a lot more of what Eli did not do in parenting his own children. You see, because of Eli's failure to properly raise up his sons, because of his failure to properly parent his sons, his family was cut out of the blessing of God. And here's something that I hope that you will really pick up. We are talking about building a legacy. But because of Eli's costly mistake, not only did he not have a legacy that, he, that, that was built, but rather he was judged upon by the Lord. Read along with me as we look at verses 31 to 32 of 1 Samuel chapter 2. And this is the judgment that was proclaimed upon Eli. Now the time is coming when I will put an end to your family. So it will no longer serve as my priests. All the members of your family will die before their time. None will reach old age. Whew. You will watch with envy as I pour out prosperity on the people of Israel. But no members of your family will ever live out their days. Oh, what a terrible word and a terrible judgment upon Eli and his household. Eli was the high priest of Israel during that time. What on earth did he, Eli the high priest, do? Or rather, in this, in this case, what did he not do that brought about the pronouncement of such a serious judgment upon his descendants? Let's read on and let's find out. Read with me in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and we're going to look from verse 12 onwards. This is what had happened in the household of Eli. Verse 12, now the sons of Eli were scoundrels who had no respect for the Lord or for their duties as priests. Now whenever anyone offered a sacrifice, Eli's sons would send over a servant with a three-pronged fork 
while the meat of the sacrificed animal was still boiling, the servant would stick the fork into the pot and demand that whatever it brought up be given to Eli's sons. All the Israelites who came to worship at Shiloh were treated this way. Now, sometimes the servant would come even before the animal's fat had been burned on the altar. He would demand raw meat before it had been boiled so that it could be used for roasting. The man who's making the offering, who's offering the sacrifice might reply, you may take as much as you want, but the fat must be burned first. Then the servant would demand, no, give it to me now or I'll take it by force. So the sin of these young men were, was very serious in the Lord's sight, for they treated the Lord's offerings with contempt. Now you have to understand a bit of a background about what's wrong about taking meat uh, raw and all that, but this is really requirements that were in the, the Hebrew law, and it was a requirement for them to follow. And as priests, Eli's sons were supposed to, to respect and to, order, uh, to respect what was ordered by God. And so there are a few things that I want to look at very quickly at the lives of Eli's sons and what Eli did wrong. First thing, fathers, first point. Fathers, we teach respect and self-control. Fathers teach self-respect and control. Now, focus on the family reports that children who play roughhouse with their fathers learn that biting kicking, and other forms of physical violence are not acceptable. They learn, the children learn self-control by being told when enough is enough huh? and when to settle down. Girls and boys both learn a healthy balance between timidity and aggression. So this is the father's influence on children learning boundaries and respecting those boundaries. Now, sadly, either Eli was not involved in his children's life or he did not play with his children when they were young or Eli failed to correct them. Eli's sons never learned self-control and the biggest failure was that they failed to respect the things of God. Here is Eli the high priest and his children who are also priests, but they failed to respect the things of God. So fathers... Our influence on our children is that we need to teach them to have self-control and to have uh, respect. Now let's carry on reading and we're going to look at verses 22 onwards. Now, Eli was very old, but he was aware of what his sons were doing to the people of Israel. He knew, for instance, that his sons were seducing the young women who assisted at the entrance of the tabernacle. Eli said to them, I have been hearing reports from all the people about the wicked things you are doing. Why do you keep sinning? You must stop, my sons. The reports I hear among the Lord's people are not good. If someone sins against another person, God can mediate for the guilty party. But if someone sins against the Lord, who can intercede? But Eli's sons wouldn't listen to their father, for the Lord was already planning to put them to death. Now, several things I want to highlight from this particular passage and several things that we can learn as fathers as well. Here's the next one. The second point that we can pick up is that fathers tell the truth. Fathers tell the truth. 
Now, hang on those of you who are mothers. You're probably thinking, wait a minute, mothers tell the truth as well. Yes, you're right. What I really want to say is that fathers are brutally honest. Fathers are brutally honest. Now, mothers, you are wonderful. Mothers, we love you. Uh, but mothers tend to mother their children. They tell them that they are the best in the world and you are perfect and faultless. Uh, but fathers are brutally honest. Wow, you fat already, huh? Wow, why so lazy one? Can you please not be a bum? Uh? Go out and get a job. Now, a side note here, okay, parents. A side note here, fathers. Please beware and differentiate between talking to your children from talking to your spouses, talking to your wives. You may say to your children, wow, fat already, uh, don't be lazy. Uh. Please, I beg of you, with all wisdom, do not say these things to your wife. Be wise and proceed with caution. Ah, thankfully, I never have to face such a situation because my wife is always beautiful, never ages and never gets fat. Hallelujah, amen, let it be so and let's leave it at that. Let's move back to our children and how fathers can be brutally honest with our kids. Now, when I finished school, when I finished high school and it was time for me to look into colleges, I was very tempted to just take a break. I was very tempted after my exams, you know, just to, uh, to just relax a little bit, you know, maybe travel and, and uh, you know, just, just enjoy myself. But my father knew me better. He knew I was a procrastinator and he knew that I needed, I'm someone who needs a little bit more motivation. And my mom was very caring, was very understanding. You say, yes, sir, you need time. Uh, okay, la. you know, since you study so hard already, sure, 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 yeah, you put thing. Okay, sure, take a break. My father, don't be lazy. La. Just go and find out college. And I could tell you, honestly, at that time, I was very upset and I was not happy with what my dad said. But because my dad was stern and very brutally honest, I went ahead and looked for colleges and I signed up uh, to, to join my pre-college. Now, the thing about this is that when I joined this pre-college, it had an um, uh, interesting arrangement in that people who went through their uh, schooling system would graduate a year younger. And so by the time I actually registered and I joined the class, I was already older than the majority of the students that were there. And if I had taken another break of, uh, you know, who knows, six months, and the, the uh, acceptance date would only be a year later, I would be two years older than everyone else, and I would be extremely pressured. So I'm grateful that I did not waste my time relaxing, chilling, lazing, bumming out, but rather because of the very honest and brutal truth of my dad, I did not waste my time, and I didn't feel uh, pressured by being too old compared to everyone else. Now, same thing goes as well, that when I, was, when I finally graduated from university and I was looking for work, once again, I was tempted after studying to take a break, to relax and to enjoy myself. But a phone call from my dad and a conversation, once again, mum was understanding, caring, yes, uh, you know, study so hard that I take a break. But my dad was very brutal, very honest, and just said, don't be lazy, huh? just write, write your CV and just send out, lah. you know, if people accept, then accept. But if you don't find a job, then you can take a break. But at least make an effort and send it out. Again, I didn't like my father's brutal honesty, but I appreciated what he did because I followed his advice and I just, you know, whipped up my CV and prepared my letters and sent it out. I was only one of two um, international students. I was in UK at that time. I was only one of two international students who actually got a job from my class, whereas every single one else had to return home because they did not get a job offer. Either because they were too late or because they decided to take a break. 
But because my father insisted for me to move forward, and because I took his advice, I was able to get a, a, a job, whereas the rest of my classmates did not. So here's the thing. Mothers, loving mothers, caring mothers, wonderful mothers, your words are encouraging, your words are uplifting, your words bring a lot of comfort. But we do need brutal honesty. We do need truth from our dads as well. And moms can be very gentle and careful, but if there's too much of an emphasis on encouragement and building up and praising, children may develop what is called an entitlement, entitlement mentality. And that is dangerous because children start to believe that truly they are the best, that they are deserving of the top awards, they're deserving of every job, they're deserving of places in the world. But because there is an honest truth, a brutal truth, a side of a, a brutal honesty, children develop with an understanding of what it is like to face the real world. So, I say it again. Mothers and fathers parent differently. But both are necessary so that the children that grow up grow with a healthy balance. If I can adjust one thing though, I would say this, fathers, in the way when you tell the truth, please keep doing that, but tweak something else. Do not exasperate your children. Do not provoke them with anger. But with love, speak the truth and bring them up in the instruction of the Lord. So speak truth, but speak it with love. The third thing I want to point out from Eli's life and his children as well is this. Um, fathers model the treatment of women. Look at verse 22. His sons, Eli's sons, were seducing the young women who assisted at the entrance of the tabernacle. Now look at it this way. These young women were assisting at the service of the tabernacle. That's essentially what we're saying is the young women who came who wanted to serve the Lord. You know, they, they came with the right attitude. They came wanting to serve and give their life unto the Lord. But here are the pastor's sons, the pastor's kid essentially. And the pastor's, kid is, the pastor's kids are seducing the young women who came with the right attitude, right intention to worship the Lord. Huh. Now we thank God that our pastor's kid and the young woman he seduced are both still righteously serving the Lord. Hallelujah, faithfully. Amen. <laughs> but the sons of Eli did not. Again, from Focus on the Family, they say that children, children pick things up. And children watch how their fathers treat their mothers. And how their fathers treat their mothers is the basis of how children believe women should be treated. So, men, wherever you may be, in your household, always learn to treat your wives well. Treat your wives well because your children are learning from you, fathers. Fathers model their behaviour to their sons how they should treat women in the future. And fathers also model to their daughters how, as women, you ought to be treated. Now, whether Eli was, again, uh, uh, mistreating his wife, or Eli did not treat his wife well, or whether he did not correct his children, unfortunately, Eli's sons did not learn how to treat women well. And instead of honouring these faithful women who came to worship the Lord, they seduced them instead. Men, we need to learn to treat women well so that the children 
will also learn, and the future generations will also learn how to treat women well. The fourth thing that we can pick from this passage is that fathers, our roles will never retire. Our roles will never retire. Again, verse 22 tells us that Eli was very old at this time, but his role and responsibility as a father never ended. Now, I know many of us attempted, I, I am just starting out on my journey as a father, and I know that there's a great, great uh, journey ahead of me. There are many, many things, that I, uh, responsibilities that I have to take up. But there are many of you who have graduated to be grandfathers, and I congratulate you for reaching your level. But Eli was very old, and his role and his responsibility was never, never end, uh, removed. Let's continue reading in verses 29 to 32. And you'll see that in these passages, even though Eli was performing his responsibilities as the high priest of Israel, and it was his sons who were doing all the sins, the judgment fell on Eli, not his sons. The judgment fell on Eli, not his sons. Verse 29. So, why do you scorn my sacrifices and offerings? Why do you give your sons more honour than you give me? For you and they have become fat from the best offerings of my people, Israel. Verse 30, Therefore, the Lord, the God of Israel says, I promise that your branch of the tribe of Levi would always be my priests, but I will honour those who honour me and I will despise those who think lightly of me. The time is coming when I will put an end to your family, so it will no longer serve as my priests. All the members of your family will die before their time. None will reach old age. You will watch with envy as I pour out my prosperity on the people of Israel, but no members of your family will ever live out their days." So we can see that because Eli did not properly parent his sons, the judgment of the Lord fell not only on the two sons that were, were sinning, but the judgment fell upon the father, Eli, because he honoured his sons more than he honoured God. So let me throw this question back to you. What is a father's legacy? What is a father's legacy? What is the legacy that you are building? And what is the legacy that you are leaving behind for your children? I really want to point out here for all of us to pick up is that as parents, we are greatly influencing our children. As parents, we are greatly influencing the next generation. So even if you uh, do not have biological children, we have a responsibility of blessing and leaving a legacy behind for our spiritual children for the next generation. And if we take an a, a uninvolved, uh, un, uninterested approach to our spiritual walk, then beware. Because the legacy that we are building for ourselves is a legacy that will carry on to the next generations as well. If we learn to parent, to guide, to, to prepare, to instruct the next generation, generation in the ways of the Lord, then we are promised great blessing. For Eli, his blessing was the honour of serving as the priest of the Most High God. His honour, his blessing was to be the high priest in the highest position, being in the presence of God and being the uh, representative between God and men. But because he failed to parent the next generation, 
judgment fell upon him as well. Instead, sorry, Eli's legacy on his family and the rest of his descendants was a curse and judgment from the Lord. What will be your legacy that you leave behind? So let us learn not to take God lightly, nor our responsibilities as fathers, biological and spiritual. Here's another thing that I really want to point out. Now, Eli and his sons were priests. They were priests. They grew up in a religious house, a religious upbringing. Can you imagine that every single day, Eli would have to perform his priestly activities? And the children grew up in this kind of upbringing. But because Eli failed to be the right parent, because he failed to instruct his children, the children failed. So what I'm saying is this. A religious home or a religious setting is not enough. There must be active training and instruction that comes from God. So what am I saying? Parents, it's not enough to just come to church once a week and bring your children and put them in Sunday school or to put them in our Youth Life Wire service and say, nah, this is your weekly spiritual influence and this is the religious influence you're going to get and you're going to, be turn out, you're going to turn out fine. Let me appeal to you and let me point out to you that this is not so. If, if a, a weekly influence of a, if a, of a religious practice is sufficient, Eli's sons would not be as sinful as they were. And so likewise, parents at home, it is your responsibility to instruct. It is your responsibility to train and, and guide children in the ways and instruction of the Lord. Don't take God's word lightly. Because, again, let me read from you from verse 30. The second part of verse 30, it says this, I will honour those who honour me and I will despise those who think lightly of me. I will honour those who honour me and I will despise those who think lightly of me. Don't be despised of the Lord. Don't think the things of the Lord lightly. You know, as I was preparing for this sermon, I was searching through the Bible, looking for uh, good fatherly examples from the Bible. And you know what? I encountered a huge challenge. And so I turned to my wife, and who is also a Bible student, and asked her, can you identify a person in the Bible who is a good uh, fatherly figure in the Bible? And together, both of us, we could not think of one. And so we turn to someone who's even wiser, my mother-in-law, who has been a Sunday school teacher for, for many, many, many years. And we also asked her, who can you think of a good fatherly figure who is from the Bible? And again, it was a challenge from all three of us to really come up with one perfect example of how uh, this person showed themselves as a father. Now, of course, there are many, many, many good examples like Abraham, but you know, um, Abraham is a righteous man, but we don't learn so much about fathering from Abraham um, other than, you know, if you occasionally want to sacrifice your child on the altar. But we can't find something that is clearly uh, fatherly and, and upbringing from the Bible. And I came to this conclusion that, that since the beginning of time, um, the role of raising children or nurturing, guiding them seems to fall on the mothers. We have many examples of good mothers being mothering uh, in the Bible. Plenty of examples. But it is a struggle to find good examples of fathers that are in the Bible. 
Uh, and so it seemed that while the role of raising children fell on the mothers, in, in the Bible, the role of providing and protecting came from the fathers. But as Pastor Ming mentioned, in these modern times, in these days, there is such a great influence from the world that if the fathers do not get involved, if the fathers don't um, be participating in raising their children, then our children are, are in great danger of falling away from the faith. And so if we, there is a lack of biblical examples for fathers to follow, what can we do? I want to point out the role of Paul. Now, in the Bible, we are never told if Paul had any children. But one thing is clear is that we know that uh, Paul was not the biological father of Timothy nor Titus. But in Paul's second letter to Timothy, he actually describes how he thanks God for him every single day and is constantly praying for him day and night. Now, we know Timothy is uh, he's of a mixed parentage. He's, uh, he has Gentile blood in him. And we also know that he has his faith from his mother Eunice and his grandmother Louis which speaks to us that actually Timothy did also did not have a, a father, spiritual father influence in his life. But Timothy grew up to be a leader of the church. And so because Timothy did not have this um, fatherly, spiritual um, person in his life, Paul stepped in. Paul stepped in. And we read that Paul daily thanks God for my dear Timothy. And daily, night and day, I am praying for you. You see, because Timothy had a spiritual father like Paul, who was uh, constantly encouraging, constantly instructing and guiding him in the faith, we know that Timothy became a leader of a church. And, and, and Paul uh, uh, wrote to Timothy to continue to encourage him and to guide him. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, we have plenty of, of uh, children of the next generation within our church who need spiritual fathers, who need spiritual mothers, spiritual parents to, to bless the next generation, to guide them, to instruct them in the ways of the Lord. And there are so many who are hungering for that kind of spiritual leadership, whether they want to admit it or not. But you, as spiritual parents, you can make a difference. You can bring guidance to the next generation. Who knows what would have happened to Timothy uh, if Paul had not stepped in? Who knows what would happen to Paul or the Corinthian churches or the or Thessalonian churches if Paul had not stepped in to be their spiritual father? And you know what? Who knows what would have happened to Paul even if Barnabas himself had not stepped up to father and to parent Paul himself? We need many more spiritual fathers in this day and age. Again, as I said, when there's so much a negative influence that's coming from the world. Will you stand with the next generation? Will you input into, input into their lives? And will you help to instruct them in the ways of the Lord? So let us continue to bless the next generation. Now there is this song called Lead Me and it's, called, and it's a song that is written by um, this Christian award-winning band called Sanctus Real. And in this song, the lead singer wrote this song as a reflection upon his life. Um, he, he's married with two young children at this time. And, but because he is in a band and they're touring the United States, they were hardly at home. And these songs, the lyrics of these songs, actually reflect what his wife was challenging him, him to do. And it's to lead me. Lead me as, as the man lead the wife and lead your children. Don't be absent. Don't leave them to fend for themselves. Be the leader in the house. 
And the, the lead singer, you know, as he was penning down these words and he felt the weight of responsibility upon him, you know, how he had to balance between his work and the upbringing of his family, how he was absent and how he can input into his life, he realized that there was a true, uh, there was a real emptiness in, in, in the household. And so he recognized that because of his own failures, he needed the strength of God. And at the end of this service, um, uh, the technical team are going to put up this song and I hope you will stay on after the service and just listen to the song and may the words, the lyrics to the song minister into your heart. It is a daunting, daunting and challenging responsibility to be fathers in, in this generation. But even though, you know, even the, the, in the Bible, we find that so many fathers in the Bible failed. In the end, ultimately, we can still rely on our Heavenly Father. God, our Heavenly Father. And so let me speak on this point to the rest of us. The rest of us who are children. The rest of us who have fathers and that's all of us. The last point I want to bring up this morning is to honour your parents. Honour your parents. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 to 12 says this, My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline. And don't be upset when He corrects you. For the Lord corrects those He loves just as a father corrects a child in whom He delights. And let me speak to those of you, perhaps there are some here who do not have a great relationship with their fathers. And maybe it's because of certain harsh words or a harsh treatment that you have received from your father in the past. Let me appeal to you, just as, the, uh, as, as it's written in the Word of God, don't reject the Lord's discipline. Let me continue to read from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7 to 11. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as His children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They discipline us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at that time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. I want to highlight what the Bible says to us. Uh, the Bible does tell us that, you know, fathers at the best ability, at their best uh, capacity, discipline their children at that time what they see, think is best. And really, this is a, a, a word to each and every one of us, you know. Perhaps as you're listening to this morning message and you think that, oh, you know, it's because of my father lah. That's why my life is so bad right now. That's, that's why things are so challenging and, and life is so terrible. It's because of my father, because of the legacy that he left behind to me. But, but he, let me read to you what Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2 to 3 says. And this is the verse that appears before the command to the fathers. And it's a command to the children. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. I want to bring back your memory to recollection to the life of Eli and the, and the judgment that was pronounced on him. Now, some of you might say, you know, because of Eli, his children and the descendants had shortened lives. You know, they, they, they let, lived, led poor lives. But here in Ephesians, we have somewhat of a counter against that and says that 
honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Church, let me speak to your hearts. Blaming your difficult circumstances, blaming your difficult lives on your fathers is a cheap excuse that you are hiding behind. Our earthly fathers greatly influence us. Yes, our, greatly, our earthly fathers greatly influence the life that we have now. But ultimately, we are responsible for building our own lives and the legacy that we leave behind. Ultimately, we are responsible for building our own lives and the legacy that we build behind, uh, we leave behind. Again, listen to what God pronounced to Samuel in, in verse 30, the second part. I will honour those who honour me and I will despise those who think lightly of me. I, I know perhaps some of you are thinking, you know, uh, my dad... He do the first move, lah, you know. He's the one who hurt me. He's the one who mistreated me. He should be the one who said sorry. But let me point out what was spoken to Eli. I will honour those who honour me. Essentially, this is what God is saying. You honour me and I will honour you in turn. You make the first move. And if you take my words lightly, I will despise you. Church, we are responsible for building our own lives and the legacy that we are building and leaving behind. Even as I come to the conclusion, I can invite um, our sister on the keyboard to, to play gently in the background. Let me just make this challenge to each and every one of us. We are all called as the children of God to take the higher path of morality and righteousness. We are all called to make the step of reconciliation. You know, just as much as God reconciled us when He sent His own Son, Jesus, to die on the cross in our place so that we can be reconciled to Him, so that we can be drawn back to Him and have that relationship with Him. God is saying to each and every one of us that we also need to be reconciled to our loved ones. We need to repair uh, relationships and mend relationships that have been broken. My prayer is that after hearing this morning's message that you are challenged into action. That the Holy Spirit right now, wherever you are, would stir within your hearts the need to act. So whether you are a father this morning, and you recognize that you have been absent in the involvement of parenting your children, let me encourage you to make the first step. Turn to God whenever you feel lost or you feel that you don't know, you just cannot connect with the children. Turn to God. And if you are a child, you are someone who have a, a bad relationship with your father, Now, perhaps there are some of you who you grew up with an absent father or maybe he was uninvolved or worse. Maybe you grew up with a father who mistreated you, who abused you, who abandoned you. You know, I, I, I sympathize. I do not discount the suffering and the pain that you went through. This morning's message 
is not meant to erase the pains of the past. But this morning's message is an in invitation for you to detour towards a better future. God invited us to be His children. Our heavenly God was with you through every journey that you went through. Through every moment of growing up, God was there with you. And He's inviting you to be His child. And because our God is good, He's faithful, He is righteous. He will never mistreat, He will never abuse, nor will He ever abandon us. Pains need to be healed. And if you've tried many methods, if you've gone to doctors, if you've gone to uh, 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 mental treatments and you still struggle today, this morning, let me invite you to turn to God. 